the book of Galatians tonight, and I want to read these five verses, and I understand that we've already dealt with three of them, and we'll end the last two tonight, but no other book in the Bible with these five verses to me explain and exemplifies the blessing, the honor, the glory of the Christian life like Paul does in these classic statements. They're not only beautiful, but they're right, and they're wonderful. And I'm glad God gave us those verses in the Bible. First of all, look in chapter number 2 of Galatians in verse number 20. Galatians 2.20, what a statement, what a verse. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Listen to this line. Who loved me and gave himself for me. And we call that the mandate of a Christian. What does a person got to do that they must do to be a Christian? They must realize that Christ died for them. And they must put their personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joining the church, going through religious activities is not enough. You must put faith in Christ. And so we dealt with the mandate of the Christian. And then we went to chapter number 3 and verse number 24. Look in chapter 3 verse 24. Another awesome Christian statement. He said in chapter 3 verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. And we call that the making of a Christian. What makes somebody a Christian? What takes a lost sinner and makes him a Christian? Well, that law condemns him and shows him he needs a Savior. And then by faith, he is justified. He stands before God with no past, no record, no preexistent. When Christ died, he died for past, present, and future sins. But remember, when Christ died for you, all your sins was future. So when you trust Christ, you have no past. Glory. I don't want to bog down there again, but glory. And so we dealt with the mandate of a Christian, the making of a Christian, and then last Sunday, we looked at chapter number 6 and verse number 9. Come to chapter 6, verse number 9, a very Christian classic statement. You ready? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And we call that the motive of a Christian. It pays to be faithful. It pays to serve the Lord. Our labor is not in vain. Remember, God's payday don't always come on Friday or Monday or Thursday. It don't always come when we want it. But I'm here to tell you in due season, just as sure as the spring turns to summer and the summer turns to fall and the fall turns to winter and the winter turns back to spring, just as sure as that is, God will honor your work. God will honor your labor. And God will honor your faithfulness. It pays to serve the Lord. And so we dealt with the mandate of a Christian, the making of a Christian, and the motive of a Christian. 
I want to come tonight and deal with the last two wonderful verses. And they're found also in Galatians chapter number 6. That I believe not only explain but exemplify the Christian life. Come to chapter 6 tonight in verse number 14. What a wonderful statement. Only in the Bible will you read beautiful words like this. You ready? Chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory. Say this out loud with me. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. By whom the world is crucified unto me. And I under the world. We'll go back to that verse in a moment, but write this down. That's the message of a Christian. You know what the message of a Christian is? The cross and the glory of it. Let me read one more. Chapter 6, verse 18, the fifth classic Christian statement. Chapter number 6, verse number 17. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And we'll visit that verse in a moment, but right down beside of that, the marks of a Christian. So we see the mandate of a Christian, the making of a Christian, the motive of a Christian, the message of a Christian, and now the marks of a Christian. I want to go back tonight and look at these last two Verses, I believe they're powerful. They explain and exemplify the Christian life. Go back to chapter 6 and that 14th verse. The message of a Christian. Paul says, God forbid that I should glory. I want to deal first of all tonight with that little personal pronoun, I. Do you realize who the Holy Spirit is inspiring to say these words. A man named the Apostle Paul. You could make a lifetime study of the life of Paul. In fact, in my library, among the tens of thousands of books I have, I have one book that's 800 pages thick on just the life of Paul. Now, we don't worship Paul, we worship Jesus Christ. But every one of us in this room tonight owe a debt to this man by the name of Paul. Because through Simon Peter and the other apostles, the Jewish world was being reached. But that was this Gentile of the tribe of Benjamin, alienated from God, lost and undone. Very vile, wicked man. He had dedicated his life to stamp out Christianity in its beginning stages. Terribly lost. But God saved him one night in Acts chapter number 9 on the road to Damascus. And God turned his life around. And he spent the last half of his life preaching the gospel, serving the Lord. And through Simon Peter and the other apostles, the Jewish world was being reached. 
But God raised up this man, the apostle to the Gentile, and told him that he would go and take the gospel where it had never been. And Paul gets on this boat, and he goes to Europe, and he goes to Asia. And thousands of years later, them little boats arrive to the new land. Now, they won't tell you that in your public school, but it's there. And them little boats arrive to the new land. By the way, if you're going to cuss America, move to another country. And them boats came to the new land. And all of a sudden, the new world has the gospel preached to it. And here we sit in the Atlanta, Georgia metroplex. On the south end of the busiest airport in the world, ten and a half miles from the modern day Sodom and Gomorrah, hearing the word of God preached, all because a little fella by the name of Paul got right with God. Fourteen books of the New Testament. Now listen to this. Fourteen books of the New Testament were canonized through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on this man by the name of Paul. Thirteen, if you don't believe he authored Hebrews, but if you know your facts, Hebrews makes the 14th Pauline epistle. And and not only that, but the churches that he started, the, the seeds that he sowed. We know according to the book of Acts, he took three missionary journeys. He went as far as man had ever went at that time, to carry the gospel. So here's a man that's made three missionary journeys. And by the way, if you don't think Paul made an impact on society, here we are 2,000 years later, and we still name sons Paul. We got one sitting back here. Up in North Carolina, they love him so much, they named their daughters Pauline. You'll get that after a while. And I've even met a few Paulettes. But this man left his mark. I often tell people in the Old Testament, you got Moses. In the four Gospels, you got Jesus. And the rest of the Bible, you got Paul. Those three men left an indelible mark upon our society. I mean, Paul has been dead for 2,000 years, but what he did still lives on. And this man could have talked about his three missionary journeys. He could have talked about the, all the churches that he pastored and founded. The church at Ephesus, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Corinth, the church at Philippi. He could have talked about the 14 books of the Bible. He could have talked about being a penman, a wise man, a teacher. He could have talked about a lot of things. You talk about a resume. Can you imagine a pulpit committee calling Paul? Paul, we're interested in considering you for the pastor of our great church. Will you fill in a resume? If somebody were to ask me to fill in a resume, I could do it in one sentence. You ready? Sinner saved by grace. But can you imagine 
I mean, of all the things that would be impressive. Wow. But Paul said, I'm not going to talk about my missionary trips. I'm not going to talk about all the churches I started. I'm not talking about all the great wealth and the great wealth of knowledge God has given me. Paul said, here is my message. Listen real close. God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah goes right there. In fact, Paul told the church at Corinth, the most carnal and confused and childish church of all of the early churches. They had so much sin in there that God had given up most of them to the destruction of the flesh. But Paul said to them, I don't want to know anything among you save Christ and Him crucified. You know what the message of a Christian is? The cross. The power of the cross. The glory of the cross. The work of the cross. Listen to this. The man on the cross. What the cross accomplished, the law could not do. And Judaism could not do. And man's conscience could not do. But what none of that could do, the cross settled it all. Go home tonight and come to your Bible and hold the Old Testament on this side and turn to the New Testament is on this side, to the very center. And between that Old Testament and the New Testament, in the center stands a cross because everybody on this side looks toward it. Everybody on this side looks from it. On this side, it's, it's going to happen. On this side, it's happened. On this side, one day he will come. On this side, he has come. On this side, it said, he will soon one day die for our sins. And on this side, it says, Christ has died for our sins. On this side, it said, you must do, you must do, you must do. And on this side, it says, it has been done. On this side, it says, a work in progress. But on this side, it says, it is finished. On this side. We get a glimpse. On this side, we get a gaze. On this side, we see the shadow of the cross. But on this side, we see 
the Savior of the cross. On this side, he's riding the ark. On this side, he's walking in the tabernacle. On this side, he's erecting a brazen serpent. On this side, he's given a law. On this side, he is slaying a lamb. But on this side, he has gone to Calvary. And once and for all, purchased our eternal salvation. On this side, somebody's coming and he's about to do something. On this side, he's come, he's done it, and he's coming back again. On this side, the best they could hope for was to go to paradise. Well, that ain't bad. But on this side, it ain't paradise. It's heaven. The New Jerusalem. On this side, he's got to go to the grave. On this side, he swept it out. And he'll never die again. On this side, it's I hope, I hope, I hope. I reach, I reach, I reach. I strive, I strive, I strive. I hope, I reach, I strive. On this side, I have, I possess, I am His, He is mine. Well, glory, thank God for the cross. That is the message of a Christian. I may have to preach on some different subjects and every now and then ruffle some feathers. But our main thrust and our main message and the one that will change the lives of people is the power of the cross and the message of the cross and the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was preaching one year on the singing at sea and I've been cussed out for that too. But anyway, I was preaching on the singing at sea. And I will never forget this. Norman Wilson, the mandolin player from the primitive, he thought he's already gone to heaven. I guess Norman made it. I, he said he was a going. And, uh, but he was sitting in the back listening to me preach. And I got to preaching on the blood of Christ and the cross and the sacrificial work of Jesus and said these two ladies in front of him. Now, mind you, supposed to be Church people, Christians, I didn't say, take that back, not Christians, supposed to be church people, said to each other, I'm going to get out of here. I'm getting ready to eat my supper. And he is preaching about the gory scene of somebody bleeding and dying. Ain't that boy got no manners to talk about that for supper? Well, I got this calling. And I got this burden that before supper, during supper, and after supper, we preach the cross. I don't have any tricks up my sleeve. I don't psychoanalyze the congregation. I'm not up here with a golden watch 
hypnotizing you. The only message that's going to change your life is the message of the cross. The only message that's going to take a hell-bound sinner and make him a heaven-bound child of God is the message of the cross. Yes, we preach church membership. Yes, we preach the, uh, the, or, uh, the ordinance of baptism. Yes, we preach the whole counsel of God. But ladies and gentlemen, the only message that will save you from the fire of hell and secure you a mansion in the glory world is the power of the cross and the message of the cross and the glory of the cross. Paul said, if you're going to shout, shout about the cross. If you're going to preach, preach about the cross cross. If you go to glory, glory in the cross. And we ought to make a big deal out of it tonight. God forbid that I should glory. And he could have. But he wouldn't. Save in the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me put that in Georgia language. You ready? Paul would say, I'm going to tell you right now, if there's anything good about me, it's Jesus. It's anything about me worth going to heaven, it's because of Jesus. The most educated person in the world cannot go to heaven without Jesus. The most pharisaical, holy person in the world can't go to heaven without Jesus. The cleanest living person in the world can't go to heaven without Jesus. And man, I don't want to bog down here. I got one more verse. But there are a lot of cults in America whose parishioners live more holy than most Baptists I know. I mean, I preach in a part of the world where they are so separated from the world, they don't have electricity. My wife would die without electricity. How in the world would she use her straightening iron without power? They don't put rubber tires on their tractors. They have a telephone, but it's in the barn. They won't put it in the house. They want to keep their wife off of it, I guess. They would never eat at a McDonald's. And this is probably good. They would never eat at a Taco Bell. That might be what saves their life. Buddy, they, their women don't wear britches or shorts. Their men don't wear Bermuda shorts, and most men I see with them on don't need to have them on either, not for the Bible's sake, but for everybody's eyes. Just go easy on the eyes there, man. But as far as things like that, man, they don't smoke. They don't drink alcohol. They don't vape. Some of them grow hemp, but they don't smoke it. They grow tobacco and sell it to everybody else, but they don't chew it. Uh, they don't uh, dress ungodly. They don't dress like the world. They cover up every inch they got except their face and their nose. And I'm not, I am not condemning them people. 
bless your heart, if that's how they want to live, I respect them. Because some people are on the other end of that. They don't wear no clothes at all. But I'm telling you, that's not going to get them to heaven. That's not going to get them to heaven. If you really want to know the spiritual climate of Atlanta, Georgia, go up to the average person that goes to church and say, if you died right now, if you died right now, do you know you'd go to heaven? You would be appalled at what you'd hear. Well, I hope so. I hope my good outweighs my bad. And I'll tell you something tonight. Your good will never outweigh your bad. The only way your good will ever outweigh your bad is when the goodness of God, Jesus Christ, steps up on the other side of the scales and balances it. Ladies and gentlemen, the only life-changing message, let me go further, the only destiny let me go a little bit further. The only eternal destiny. Let me go further. The only message that will keep you out of hell and take you to heaven is the message of the cross. But ladies and gentlemen, boy, I'm getting bogged down. I don't want to do that. It is not a sign of defeat. Oh, but brother Joe, the cross ended in agony. No, it did not. Have you noticed something about that cross in our baptistry? Something about the cross etched in our pulpit? Something about the cross etched in our communion table? Something about the crosses that are embedded in the material you're sitting in? For those of you that can't see, that's not polka dots. That's little crosses that makes up Look at it. Can anybody see it? Get your magnifying glass. And the cross that's on our sign. If you ever come down this road on a foggy night, son, she sounds like, I start to say Rudolph, but we don't believe in him. But have you noticed one thing about our crosses? That cross, that cross, that cross, the one on the pew, the one out on the sign. Have you noticed something about it? Brother Gerald said, it's an empty cross. It's an empty cross. Because hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's not hanging on a cross tonight. He sits upon a throne. And may I add, not only is his cross empty, so it's the I am not 22 anymore. Glory to God. How many are thankful for the message of the cross? The glory of the cross. The power of the cross. The magnetism of the cross. Boy, that's our message. And you'll never go wrong singing about it. You'll never go wrong teaching about it. And you'll never go wrong preaching about it. Every young preacher and old preacher as well in this building ought to get online and purchase if it costs you $500. Dr. Spurgeon's book from 1899 
on lectures to my students. Every gospel preacher needs a copy of lecture to my students. Charles Hatton Spurgeon said one day in the preacher boy class, he said, take your text, read your text, preach your text, expound your text. But before you leave, run to the cross, run to the cross, run to the cross. The message of a Christian. We're going to finally finish now. Come to chapter 6, and I'll be done in just a moment. Verse 17. Wow. The mandate, the making, the motive, the message. Verse 17 now, the marks of a Christian. Verse 17, from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I, say it with me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I wasn't raised on a farm, but I was raised close to them. Has anybody ever seen, and I know you have on TV, that ranch or that farm, get them cows, lay them on the ground, two or three cowboys sat on them, they got this steel rod, and on the end of that steel rod is a sigma, a sign, maybe a number, maybe a letter, or maybe some design. And they heat that steel iron rod till it's red. And while that cattle is being restrained upon the ground, they will take that I want to say to that cow, that ain't the last thing you're going to feel. You'll get that after a while. But they'll take that brand. And it'll burn that hide and burn that flesh. And as long as that cow, that steer, is alive on planet earth, you know who it is. Belongs to. Because that brand is so put in there. You would have to literally cut a hole out of the cow to get it off. Because it is a brand mark. It has been burned into the cow. It has become part of his hide. Part of his flesh. And he bears that the rest of his life. That's the word Paul was using in our text. In that day, when a man could not pay his debt, and if he owed a debt, let's say Daniel here, I owed him a debt, and I didn't have any money to pay that debt, I would sell him my services. Daniel, I will work for you. Till I pay my debt. And to show you that I'm going to work for Daniel and nobody else. That man that was selling his service. Would go to the door of the tabernacle. And he would put his ear. The lobe of his ear. On the door frame of that tabernacle. 
and in front of the man that he was pledging his allegiance, the high priest would take a hammer and a nail and pierce the earlobe of that man. It was saying, I bear the mark that I belong to him and I'm serving him. It's called a bond servant. And I wear that forever. And listen to this. Even when my debt is paid. Even when my debt is paid. My God, I'm a going somewhere. And even when my debt. Can I just say that again? And even when my debt is paid. Excuse me. Even when my debt is paid, even when my debt is paid and I am set free, I still buy the mark that a, that a debt has been, Lord have mercy. Son, aren't you glad 2,000 years ago? Christ came to minister and gave his life a ransom for many. And they nailed him to a cross. And the last time I read Revelation, he still bears the marks of it. But when I stepped out of my darkness into his light, out of my world into his world, out of my death into his life, his cross became my cross. His name became my name. His label became my label. And the moment I trusted him, there's an indelible mark upon my life that a debt has been paid and I belong to Jesus. Woo! Mm. I'm his bond servant. I belong to him. And he belongs to me. Well, glory. And Paul said, I've been branded. And I wear the mark. Now, in case the sermon police are suffering, are suffering the web and they won't call me shallow, let me give you the interpretation and then I'll give you the application so they won't think I failed hermeneutics. You say, what is that? Don't worry about it right now. That's usually where they take a guy that can't preach, and by the time they fool with him, he sure can't preach after all of that. The interpretation is this. Paul said, you don't think I'm real? You don't believe I'm an apostle? You don't believe I mean right? I'm doing right? Paul said, ask me again. Don't trouble me. Ask me again. Paul, how much do you love the Lord? How far are you going with God? Paul took off his shirt. Took off his coat and said, see that right there? I love him that much. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. 
Paul said, they stoned me. They beat me with rods. They beat me with 39 stripes. Yes, they have wore my back out in the Philippian jail and in a Mamba team prison. Yes, I carry the physical, literal marks of my devotion to Jesus Christ. Don't question my love. Don't question my genuineness as an apostle. I've got his mark on my back. I was beaten for Jesus. I was scourged for Jesus. I was scoffed for Jesus. I bore the rod. I bore the stripes. I love him that much. It was real, physical, literal marks on the body of Jesus Christ that Paul said, I bear in my bodies those marks. But can I give you the application? There are some spiritual marks. That is on every child of God that's been to Calvary. And there are some things that every genuine believer has in common. It's a mark. What would that be? Well, to desire the Word of God. If you don't desire the Word of God, You don't have the mark. Amen. Listen to this. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. How can you live a life of forgiveness from God when you won't forgive others? Ooh, I think I'll run that again. How are you going to live a life of forgiveness? From God, when you grant that forgiveness to others, walking in the light as He is in the light. Amen. Brother, salvation through the blood of Christ makes a difference in somebody's life. They act different. They think different. They love different. They walk different. They want different. There is something inside of them that desires God and to know God and to walk with God. I'm glad tonight I got some marks in my life. The Bible lays it out there. I'm glad for the literal marks. I don't have any of those yet. And you don't either. I believe I'd be safe in saying there's not a person in this room tonight. It has a physical mark on your body because of your faith. I do believe that day may come in this nation sooner than later. I do know there's a little girl laying in a grave in the state of Colorado at Columbine High School because of her faith. That wild gunman put that Glock 9 millimeter down and said, Young lady, you must deny Jesus Christ. I'm going to blow your brains out all over this cafeteria. And she said, You pull that trigger, do what you got to do, but I will not deny my faith in Jesus Christ. But most of us tonight do not have some type of physical mark in our body because of our faith. But I wonder if there's anybody tonight, you got some spiritual marks. You love the Word of God. You love the brethren. You love the things of God. 
There's a hunger in your soul for God, the truth, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. I believe true salvation leaves its mark. And I want to say this tonight. I gladly claim Christ. I gladly claim His title. I gladly claim His name. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for the message of a Christian? And aren't you glad for the marks of a Christian? We're going to close tonight with this, Brother Tom. I want you to come and I want you to do a couple of verses of that old hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. You remember that old hymn? The Old Rugged Cross, the emblem of what? Suffering and shame. But remember that line? But I love that old cross. What? Dearest and best. Listen to that. For a world of lost sinners. <laughs> what about this one? To the old rugged cross. I will ever be true. It's pain and what? Reproach. What? How long? Till he calls me one day. Woo! To my home far away. Where his glory forever I share. Do you cherish that cross tonight? Do you follow that cross tonight? May God help us to count for him in these days. Let's stand together and sing a couple of verses of that, Brother Tom. Then we'll go to the house. I thank God for the word of the Lord.